Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Osher Ginsberg Podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. This is episode 201 of the show featuring Maz Compton. Find her on Twitter, Maz Compton, M-A-Z, M-A-Z, C-O-M-P-T-O-N. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks to everyone that sent me some great podsies through the week. A podsie is a picture of what you're looking at right while you're listening to this show right now. Whip out your phone, take a photo, shoot it to me on the Instagreasy or send it to me on the email. Send Osher email at gmail.com. Whatever you're doing right now, love to see it. Uh, could be cleaning, could be cooking, could be napping, could be walking a dog, could be hanging with kids, whatever it is you're doing, however you use my podcast to help you in your day, I'd love to know what it is. Hashtag P-O-D-S-I-E and just send it to me. Send Osher email at gmail.com. That's where you can also get me whenever you need. If you want to chat to me, I'll, I'll write back to pretty much everybody. Um, so thank you so much for being here. I hope you're having a good week. I'm actually on holiday right now. So this is 10 days ago. Um, so unless Rocket Man and, uh, the Orange 45 have decided to start World War Three, um, everything's sweet. If not, well, hey, it's the last podcast I'll ever make and you'll ever download. Um, I hope that's not the case. Uh, if you want to see what I'm up to on uh, my holiday, uh, I'm probably putting lots up on Instagram, uh, so you can just find me there. Uh, to check in this week, um, have... Like, this is me checking in 10 days ago, but still, I should tell you that I'm having a pretty good week. I am just loving watching Georgia, my um, stepdaughter, just grow into a young woman more and more every day. She was 10 when I met her, and she's just becoming this incredible human being before my eyes, like fully forming into this wonderful soul. 
um, to friend's birthday the other day, and look, she just put together like not a present. She put together like a gift box of things that was just full of the most thoughtful and kind and wonderful things that her friend might like. Now, when I was thirteen, there is no way that I would do such a thing. I wouldn't give a friend a present like that. I, I didn't even know you could. I had no idea that you could be kind like that. And it's just so wonderful uh, to to watch her just becoming this incredible woman. I'm just so proud to know her, and I'm, I'm I learn something from her every day. She has her moments, but shit, so do I. I I just love this kid. Like I can't quite, I can't quite describe to it because I, and I'm sure if you're a parent, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's kind of new for me because I've only known her for like three and a half years, but I see elements of Audrey in, in her. I see the things that she does that Audrey does and they're the things that I love about Audrey. So I end up adoring both of them even more. Um, I'm trying to talk quietly because if she hears me through my office door, she'll go, shut up. You know, that's fine. That's okay. I'm, I'm here to embarrass the kid. That's what I'm all about. But it's really something. And um, it's something I didn't expect. And it's something I'm very grateful for. And it's something that makes my day amazing. And I'm, I'm really lucky. Um, I did want to just talk a bit this week about um, something that, I don't know, just just kind of crossed my mind, to, you know, just to make sure that you keep it at the top of your mind if you're having a difficult week. Um, just remember to look after yourself. I, I guess, you know, I when I get busy, I forget to look after myself. And I know I do talk about it a bit on this show, but if you are having a bit of a struggle, if you are having a hard time, make sure you look at the things that you can control and things. these are things you can change straight away to change where you are. The only way out of the flames is through. And if you stand in shit for long enough, you forget that you're standing in shit. You stop smelling it. Things that are easy to control are your sleep, your diet, your physical activity, and your socialization. These things are easy to fix. You can go to bed an hour earlier tonight. You can. You can. All right? You might disappoint some people by not going out or, you know, you might miss a TV show. But you can go to bed an hour earlier tonight. You can eat some salad, put a smoothie together, eat less fries, eat something else. You can do that. You can go for a half-hour walk. You can find half an hour to go for a walk. And you can go and chat to someone, someone you know, member of your family. You can talk to someone at work. But an actual conversation, like a how are you conversation and listen and care and just, you know, ask someone how they're doing. You know, these things are fairly easy to do and for the most part fairly cheap to accomplish. Um, And as always, if you need a conversation, you can go see a doctor. Uh, we live in an incredible country in Australia that has uh, many bulk bill doctors and some of them may want to shush you out the door, but if you just say, look, I, I really need to speak and, and this is what's going on in my life and I just want to talk about it, it's important. It's important because the doctor might be able to pick up on things that you might not have realised are there and, you know, they might be able to help you identify if you're going through just a rough patch or there's something more serious going on, but it's important to take action. And it's important to remember that none of us do this alone. We're all here. We're all here together. And pretty much everybody is okay to help someone else if they need help. And that's important to remember. I did want to tell you about my guest today, and I'm so happy she's back on the show. Maz Compton is a well-known broadcaster from Sydney who for years was all over the telly. She worked on MTV. uh, Later on, she worked all over the radio. 
um, culminating in a, in a massive stint on the very high-profile breakfast show on Two Day FM in Sydney, which is a, a big, fancy, fancy station. That life is mostly behind her now. However, she did write a book about her experiences, which we do talk about here. But we also talk about what it was to have a job that she worked so hard to get, the dream gig that she worked her whole career to achieve. It went away, and she talks about that. And I'm really grateful that she shared that with us. You can find her book on Amazon or at mazcompton.net, M-A-Z-C-O-M-P-T-O-N.net. Maz is a great chat. She's an inspiring woman, and I'm really grateful that she came by the apartment on a lovely, sunny Sydney afternoon for a cup of tea and a chat. Ladies and gentlemen, Maz Compton. That's the nice thing about living here is that if I want to be served a $14 smoothie. You can. I can walk to somewhere that will charge me $14 for a smoothie and not even blink. Isn't that great? Uh, yeah, and that's not even the upsize. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. <laughs> I used to live so down the hill. Yeah. Past the cemetery down the hill on Ocean Street. Oh, right. So I would just walk up the hill through the cemetery to get my $14,000 smoothie. It's just—it's really something. You you can afford to live in this suburb, but you can't afford to eat can't, in this suburb. It's not even eating; it's no. just drinking through a straw. Seriously, <laughs> I look and there's now there's an acai bowl place opened up across the street. Oh wow! I don't know if you realise this. You're going to have to put some of these in your gyms. Acai oh. bowls are the new smoothie. Are they? Okay, I didn't know. This is great. Okay, so there's one on the corner of um, Bondo Road okay. where the fruitologist is. They will sell you. Sure. I think it's like 15 bucks. They'll sell you an acai bowl. Which has in it? Acai and it's this Brazilian berry and. Banana. Coconut and something else. Activated charcoal. Something along these lines. Sure. Probably spirulina. I don't know, yeah. something weird. But yeah, pretty good. There's a line around the street for it. Did you say fruitologist? Mm-hmm. The Bondi fruitologist. He's I, been there forever. I feel like that's a Bondi thing. Yeah, he's been there for a long time. Okay. But there's one opened up down there in the little Bronte villagey bit. Yep. And um, apparently they are better. The best fruitologists. Yeah. The acai bowl is the way of the future. Okay, cool. Yeah. This is really helpful for me to know. Well. Because <laughs> I try to be on trend with stuff like this. And you I'm still own it? You took two gyms in? Still got two gyms. Gym. Okay. So as we all know, the upside, the upsell to the gym is the cafe associate. <laughs> the cafe adjacent to the gym. All right, sure, we'll take your monthly thing on. Yeah, but... but why but, don't you buy that $14 smoothie from guys, me instead? Food is fuel. Food is fuel. That's what we say. Make sure you fuel up after the class, everybody. <laughs> Great. Special on smoothies for you and you because you need extra reps. Yep. Burn those calories and then put them back into your body, guys. That's how we roll. That's it, though. Come on. Really all we do. We just <laughs> eat, then we exercise, and then we eat again. It's just self-fulfilling prophecy. But... Some of us are lucky in that we find the balance. You know, I look at some of these blokes on Survivor. Like last year when that Lee, that cricket player, Lee was on Survivor last year. Look at him and he's older than me. It's like, how do you, even Jonathan Lapalia, he's older than me. It's like, how do you get a rig like that? Are you just your whole life? It's, I would say it's a lifestyle choice. Yeah. Yep. This is whole life. He must have just been like that. Like, you know, sometimes those mornings 
Well, well, not so much for you because you get up at what time to do radio? I am very lucky because Dumb I have o'clock. a studio in the house. Yeah. Still, so it's still early. Alarm goes up at 4.30. Let's say we're not talking about you in this hypothetical. We're talking about a normal person with a normal job. Yeah. And that person decides, oh, you know what? I'm not going to go to the gym at 5 a.m., I'm just going to sleep in. That's the difference between uh, their rig and the person with the decent rig because it's just that choice every day. It's just volume, is it? Yeah, I think so. Consistency, you've just got to do it every day, put it into your schedule, non-negotiable, and then you get the reward. But what about recovery time? Well, have Sunday off or two days a week off. It depends. Everyone's a bit different. I have Wednesdays and Sundays off the gym. Do you do double sessions when you do do it? Not usually, no. Right. He's got the energy to do a double session. If you can do a double session, you're not working hard enough in the first session. Really? (laughs) That's what I reckon. You shouldn't be able to get to a workout and then go, no, I can do that again. You're meant to fatigue. Right. I'm not a personal trainer, though. I don't actually know this stuff. I've just heard it somewhere. Right. But you employ personal (laughs) trainers. I do. You could ask them. Well, actually, technically, Osha, I I am a fitness instructor because I just completed my Cert 3 online this year. Up top, yep, of all of the spare time that I've had, I decided to focus the energy on getting writing a book and getting my Cert 3. Right. Yep. Uh, and what does that give you? Because, I mean, last time we spoke, you were just about to buy the second one. Yes. And you said, look, I, I don't, I'm don't. i not an instructor. I just hire yeah. them. Do you know what it gives me? It gives me peace of mind if any of my staff call in sick to know that I can go in and cover somebody's shifts for them. Ah. But I'm not about to become Michelle Bridges and do it like as an actual job. It's just another piece of paper to hang in my, on my mantelpiece. She's another like, I don't want to use the word, want to use the word journeyman because it's not really the right word, but like career muscle yes. is what she's got. Correct. You, you know, you know. I look at some of these people who are ex-sports people from their, you know, in their teens and then twenties. Yeah. And it takes them eight weeks of back in training, and it's like, boom, let's have a photo shoot. Yes. Because their bodies are just remembering. That's not normal. No. <laughs> but you look at photos of Michelle Bridges from the early nineties. My goodness. Yeah. Cut salad. Yeah, cut salad is a great way to she describe it. She looks like it. a cut salad. Yeah, she she's a freak, definitely. Yeah. She works hard for it. Yeah. She yeah, does. Yeah. And then and then now, what's this other one I'm seeing at the moment? There's a friend of mine who works in uh, New York City and, as you know, it's the summertime over there. We're recording this in August and everyone's at the Hamptons. Of course. Which is, you know. Everyone goes, not just people on Gossip Girl. No. Everyone everyone, goes to the Hamptons. All of Manhattan basically empties and goes to Long Island, all the Hamptons. And there's a fitness technique named after someone. You see, that's the thing. You've got to name the technique after yourself. Right. And she's got the label and everything. Okay. But it's in a heated room, 95 degrees. So so it sounds like Bikram Yoga so far. What's minus 32 in Harvard? Minus 32 from 63, so 31 degrees. Okay. It's 31 degrees in the studio. Yeah. All right. And it's very kind of Jane Fonda, uh, you know, on all fours, lifting one leg up in the air. Oh, amazing. A lot of leg warmer oh, kind of stuff. It sounds like, so for a little time, about a year or so ago, I was going to a thing called Retro Sweat, oh, which yeah. is like full 80s aerobics, actually in the eastern suburbs in Sydney. Yeah, it's on um, the, at the pavilion at Bondi Shannon Beach. Dooley is the woman behind Retro Sweat. Absolute legend. She she is fit as a fiddle and can wear a G-string leotard like I've never seen anybody do it since the 80s. She's Damn. amazing. How old is she? 
Uh, oh, I don't, I don't want to guess because she looks a lot older in a wig because that's the thing. Shannon will always dress up for retro sweat. But that's what this sounds like is that full like throwback to the 80s aerobics. Gives you a good workout. Right. Hang yeah. on, stand by. Tracy Anderson's her name. I've heard of the Tracy Anderson method. That's it. That's who Anderson we're talking about. Anderson method. I can't say that. I feel like Nicole Richie did that once. The Maz Compton method. You should totally do the Maz Compton method. Should I come up with a method? Yeah. Sounds, I don't and know. look, and Sounds this bit... kind of stuff's going on. Oh, yeah. See that? All right. She's got too many abs. Yeah, there's a lot of people with <laughs> a lot of abs. I have like two abs. She has about eight <laughs> and I'm going to show you a video, and there's a lot of that kind of Jane oh, that, Fonda. That looks exactly like retro sweat. Right. Yeah, it's it, complete. And see how some of the girls, I think, have got leg warmers going yeah, on. That's, yeah, that's true. They do. Yep, you do. Yep. So there's a lot of that kind of dancer. Oh, there it is. So yeah. do you remember aerobics Oz style? Do I? Matt Compton, I was unemployed for a long time in the 90s. I thought you were going to say that you were on it for I, a second and I was going to fall off please. my chair. I would get up at the crack of 10 a.m. <laughs> and aerobics, I saw it was on twice a day. Yeah, it was. And it was on at 10 and I would eat my wheat bix while I watched it with the sound down because I didn't like the music very much. Right. And then. Which is ironic the, considering you went on to be on music television. But it was bad 90s doof. Bad 90s. And then, uh, and then the Sally Jesse Raphael show would come on at 10.30. Oh, wow. Which was always, uh, I've gone for a double H boob size and yeah. I don't care what you think. So you had the best morning ever. I was, you know, dying on the inside of shame because sure. I was unemployed and on the dole, but, but perving at uh, Aerobics Hostile. So entertaining. It was great. Yeah. And there was one woman in the Aerobics Hostile team who was the producer's wife who oh. was in every team. If you remember, they would often change girls all the time. I didn't actually Ex- follow along that closely. Except for Effie. <laughs> Except for Effie. Effie was the staple. Effie was the staple. Okay. Yeah. Effie was the purple wiggle of yep. aerobics or style. Always there. Gotcha. Okay. Always there. Interesting. But the Maz Compton method, that's the next step after these two gyms. Okay. I feel like I've just done a project. I need to have, can you give me a week or two to relax and then come up with the method? Yeah. Well, okay. you've got your cert three online scenario. Yeah, I did. That's I a, did do it online as well. That's all good. You got the real estate. Mm. You don't have to keep it an F45. Actually, I think legally I do. <laughs> really? You can't swap it out for another gym? I'm pretty sure that the contract says it's got to be the F45 franchise. Not to say that I can't do my own thing somewhere else. There you go. Maybe. There you go. Mm. The Mass Compton method. And then sell the high cut. Uh, sell like, because that would be the trick. If the retro sweat You've also gotta... had the label. So you could only you have to dress up in the gear that you only buy from the label. So I've got to create the merchandise range as well. That's your vertical, mate. Oh, wow. There you go. There's a lot. Hey. It's a lot of things. We're here to lose weight and make money. Uh, are we, though? <laughs> Somehow I feel like I'm doing the opposite at the moment, but that's okay. <laughs> it's You know what? It's a journey. It's a journey. It's a journey, my favourite reality television word. <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh! You are the king of the journey, of course. We got, in fact, we got a, we got, uh, we got barred from Journey this uh, for Bachelorette. You got barred from saying it. There was too many journeys. So many journeys. Came adventure. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was too much journey because I was saying it. You could pretty much see on HD television now. You can see my tongue in my cheek <laughs> <laughs> as I say the word journey. Journey. That's really funny. So did it? Did that become like your sort of go-to catch cry? Well, if you remember on Idol, uh, many, hang on, give me a second. Many years ago, 
Yes, I remember. Long time ago. The Australian time. Idol franchise. Yes. Lasted seven years until Catherine Kim came along and just destroyed us. This is true. Sunday nights on seven, they were getting 2.1 million. No one could compete. Um, Love it. We would say, sorry, number six. Oh, your journey has kid. come to an end? Uh, let's have a look at your journey. Oh. And then we'd look behind us and we'd watch the highlight reel yeah. of what they did and then we'd come back and they would tearfully sing for their final moment. Oh. They would sing a good, their goodbye song right. through tears, which was, in my opinion, probably not the, the best way to have Australia ever see you for the last time. Yeah, like completely emotionally wrecked yeah. and disappointed. Yeah. While singing. <laughs> Whilst singing. Trying to hold really high notes, particularly if you played a tricky song. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I was always much more into Trapdoor, Pit of Snakes. but they weren't. Why didn't they do that? That honestly would have been a much better idea. You come back from that highlights reel and then as you go to say something to them, boom, gone. Big lever. Pull the big lever. Like how Graham Norton does the red chair on his show. Yeah, yeah. So like similar, yeah. similar a bit, vein. Bit more Jap- that's a bit more Japanese TV <laughs> with the uh, with the lever, with the lever, which would have been which would have been fun. But are you anyway. enjoying? Are you enjoying the you know helping people reach their lifestyle goals and changing their lives and turning their lives around? I am, Osha. I actually really am. I have had that conversation with a lot of people now, where they go. Hey, you know what? Like I came I came to this gym because I really wanted to kind of get fit and my entire life has changed and I make better choices and I'm a better wife and a better mother and a better human and thank you. And you just kind of go, wow, that feels really nice to be able to create that environment for people. Yeah, so it's, that's fun. No one would expect that. You know, you're going I didn't gym, expect that. You'd think you might make people look a little better in their Instagram photos this summer. Yeah, and I know that fitness definitely it, it's a thing – it's a trend, but it's also something that we, we should be moving our bodies. And I think the more often we can move our bodies for the longer amount of time, the longer we're going to live. We'll all want to be here for a long time, right? That's sort of where this whole idea of like let's let's create a community and environment that can help people do that. That's where the idea came from. But the stories that I've heard back from our members at both of the gyms have like had me in tears at some point wow. with people saying, I used to struggle really badly with depression and I found that fitness is a thing that brings me out of that. So guess what? I'm a happier human being and I'm a happier person because of the environment you've created for me to come to on a daily or, or you know, three times a week or whatever it is. And that that feels cool and that's that was never a part of like the business model that we bought into and that was never – that was just not something that I anticipated seeing unfold but it has, which is really nice. I remember when uh, Audrey, uh, when I first met Audrey, she was she was doing double F forty five workouts. Oh, and she's doubling her. up. Yeah, oh yeah, she was she was going for it, and yeah, she absolutely loved it. Yeah, absolutely loved it. And only in the last few weeks, we've gotten just a tiny bit less busy at work, so I've managed to find like an hour to just go for a run. Yeah, cool. Um, down in the down in the park. You're in a good spot for that. Well, it is. It's yeah. parked two k's away. Yeah, cool. So. I can. That's nice. It's quite handy to it's have a park two k's away, and a loop around the park is uh, six k's. Oh, that's no, a no, decent. Four k's. That's a decent little. Yeah. Stitch. So that's eight if you go down the park, around the park, and back. Back. That's no, you know five miles for Americans. Five miles. That'll do it. Yeah, um, so it's nice. Sure. And you, I come back and I just feel better. Well, running was such a part of my thing, but then I, I injured my hip and 
just knowing and seeing how much my life changed not being able to exercise every day. That was just in my routine, as you mentioned before. Yeah. It was just in my routine, have my breakfast, go for a run. That yeah. was what I did every single day. And by that point I was just I would just do ten Ks every time I stepped out the door. I would Isn't just go wild? five Ks out, turn around and come back. Yeah. That was just what I Without did. Without even thinking about didn't it. Even, you know, didn't it's even like, think about it's it. It's kind of I think you get to a point sometimes where it's like, that's just what I do now to yeah. function. Like yeah. I run 10Ks and that's what I do. And then yeah. when you do get an injury, you're like, whoa, now what do I do? Yeah. And I would generally, uh, sometimes I push them under an hour, but generally pretty easy, mm. like six minute, six and a half minute Ks. So yeah. nothing massively fast, but that's just what I did yeah. every day. And the benefit that it has to your well being and what your head does, I come back from a run and. Something happens around the 50-minute mark. You might have to ask your – maybe I'll ask you because you've got your certification now. I don't know what it is, what gets released in the body around about 50 minutes of, of running, about your kind of your right. zone, two, zone two exercising. So sure. just slightly elevated, not yeah. a conversational jog. Yeah. Something gets released in my head and I just get this flood of – it's like a Valium coming on. I'm not even joking. It's incredible. It probably, I don't know the technical name. I ain't no scientist, but I'd say it's just serotonin. And I think that at different levels in different people, the serotonin gets released. So for some people, jogging at a medium pace bores the absolute crap out of them and they hate it. So that serotonin release probably doesn't come for them doing that. Oh. So they might need to do high-intensity interval training or they might need to throw weights around a room or whatever. Mm. But I'd say that it's that serotonin kick and that's that's your, like, happy moment. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. You get a real lift yeah. from it. And then yeah. once you hit that point, all, you, all you've really got to do is eat right and you can run forever if and you, you can, to. And you can, I think. And I don't run so much these days, but... Um, I remember thinking when I did, use, I used to run about 10Ks a day when I lived in Adelaide and I used to think I could run for a whole day, I reckon. Like when you hit that zone mm. and you, you're you in that rhythm and you're almost, this sounds a bit kooky, but you're out of your body. True. You don't feel your hips grinding or your knee niggling. You just, you're just in this rhythm and mm. you're almost in your brain rather than your body, and you can. You could feel like you could run forever. I don't know if my knees would have held up, to be honest with you. you if with the right form, you can. Yeah, There's a, a, yeah. a guy I know who's uh, in ultra-endurance yeah, stuff. Yeah, so ultra-endurance runners freak me yeah. out. But that's all about – all that is all about form, perfect form. Because yeah. if your form is just the slightest bit off and your knees a little bit out that way, that's fine for a 10K jog. But if you're doing 100 Ks – That'll, that'll grind your bones apart. So you've you got know, to have your form on point. I learnt not all that long ago, I interviewed an ultra marathon runner because I was like, how long How long's an ultra? Because it sounds... That's long. <laughs> so he said it's anything over a marathon. I'm like, yeah. oh, well, so 45 kilometres is an ultra? And he goes, well, technically, yes, but it's about 100. Oh, they start, the ultras start around 50. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot. Yeah. I've walked 35 kilometres in a day. That's a long walk. Mm. It takes all day. Yeah. And I had, like, I had lots of snack stops. Well, that's, that's the thing about <laughs> ultra. If your form is right and your nutrition is right, you can, you, can do you it. really can run yeah. it. That's what holds you back. Well, I've actually nerded out and I started to read ultra marathon books. Oh, and really? Yeah, yeah. There's a couple out there from some pretty interesting runners uh, who've right. done 100 milers and stuff like that, which is 160Ks. Uh, that's when you run overnight and you have. Um, you have a pacer with you in the overnight stuff because you start it starts to get a bit wobbly. A pacer is in a human. A human oh, right. runs alongside of you, gotcha. 
Um, I didn't know. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you've got someone to run alongside you because you get a bit wobbly after about eight or ten hours running, especially just, just at, keep you in the yes. right direction. Yeah, you start to see things and you'd hallucinate stuff like that. But it's all about the eating. It's all about how many calories are you taking in per hour, yeah. and are they good calories? Are you getting enough carbohydrate? Are you getting enough electrolytes? Getting enough glucose? Yep. And enough hydration. And if you if you if got you that are, right, you're fine. Have you heard of the Barclay Marathons? No. You documentary watcher. Yes. Documentary watcher. There's a doco called the Barclay Marathons. I believe it's on Netflix. If you've got a Netflix subscription, and it's the toughest, it's the toughest marathon endurance race in the world. Mm. And it's in the US. This complete redneck runs it. He's hilarious. And there's about eight people in the world that have only ever finished it. Yeah. So you have to be accepted in to yeah. to. That's generally the way with those ultras because you could die doing them. And so it's like four marathons, I think. And the way the marathons are, it's like trail runs. So Mm -hmm. each marathon goes, when you look at a map, it goes in a big circle around this guy's property and each one of them is different. And um, when you go to the Barclay Marathons, you have to take a license plate from wherever you are in the world and that they hang it on this big wall. It's actually a really cool – it really gives you an insight into just we all just crave community so much that, that these people are just united around the world from this one endurance race that only a handful of people have ever finished because wow. it's that nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It's really amazing. Good little watch if you've got a spare Saturday afternoon. Uh, <laughs> lately, not so much. <laughs> if I if if I'm I'm lucky if if we get the time to watch the Game of Thrones while uh, oh, right. Gigi's in bed, then I'm happy. Then you're happy. Yeah, yeah. You have to put the Barclay marathons on. There's the back a whole burner. bunch of other stuff that we'd love to watch together, but we can't because Gigi's around because we live in an apartment and you can't oh, really. Of course. Yeah. There's yes. A bit, there's a bit too much death and rooting in House of Cards. Those and, young, innocent eyes and ears of a teenager. Well, you know, she may not really be into watching Dothraki slaughter people. And, Probably not. No. Probably not. Yeah, it's not. And, and some of the some of the depictions of sexual activity in um, Game of Thrones aren't exactly not, consensual. Not so friendly. Bit much for a 13-year-old. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. Bit much for – I'm 37 and I struggle <laughs> with Game of Thrones. I'm like, man, I don't want to watch this. This is too gnarly for me. So I'm like – I tapped out early and I was like, nope, I'm not going to just – I'm really going to protect my eyes. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> it's lovely to have you here. It feels like, though, I have been – I have seen you a lot more, though, because I, I do watch your um, – your breakfast oh, Facebook thing. thanks. Because it's on at the same time. <laughs> What's your thing it's on your, the thing? Your Facebook, uh, your thing. breakfast Facebook show. Yeah, it is. Because yeah. it's on at the same time that I'm on. Yeah, so it I do, is. I do click on it and I do watch so it. shouldn't you be doing your show? Look, sometimes. When the songs are on. Uh, it's, you're sitting there with your feet up on the desk watching my show. Well, look. You Only know. on a Wednesday, obviously. <laughs> Once a week, because we talked about that last time. Well, we did. Oh, we talked about so many things last time. But we've so Kate Peck, who I've been doing the show with, is overseas at the moment on a holiday, so we're giving it a bit of a break. And we've only been doing it weekly because it's really hard to launch anything new and exciting in a marketplace. So we were like, let's just commit to it and sit around and have a chat one morning a week, have brekkie, see where it goes. So that's what we're doing at the moment. Yeah. So as much as I think there was a little bit of media coverage going, Maz Compton launches competitive breakfast blasts. Like, no, just seeing you around eating brunch. Like, just having a chat with my mate kind of thing. Right. Like, it's that low key. And that's how we just want to keep it for now. 
really organic, healthy, cool conversation about what interests us as young women and then see where it goes from there. Yeah. And where's it going so far? I don't know. I guess we just keep we keep showing up doing a show. People keep watching and interacting with it. And that's really good for now. So yep. I feel like the conversations that we've had so far it's we get to go a little bit deeper than four minutes got to get to a song or an ad or whatever whatever which yep. is the format that I'm used to from commercial yep. radio that you're used to because that's the confines of commercial radio. Yep. We're in a situation we had Ash London on and um, she hosts the night radio show and, and kind of halfway through she was like, this is just nice because we've been talking about, I'm pretty sure it was waxing, but we were talking about something for about 10 minutes and there was nobody there moving us on and saying that we had to get to the next bit of mm. pre-planned content or we were just mm. able to really literally let our hair down and, yeah. and talk about what we wanted to for as long as we wanted to as you would in a regular conversation like this, mm. where you engage for more than two yeah. or three minutes. So yeah. th- I'm enjoying that freedom of just, oh, let's just have a chat like I do on Saturdays with my friends, mm. with my girlfriends when we have brunch. Do you ever watch uh, what Joe Rogan does on no. YouTube? Joe Rogan, he does his podcasts live onto YouTube. And Joe Rogan. I believe will, I have heard about this, but I haven't yeah, seen Joe it. Yeah, Joe Rogan will do. Three hours, yeah, on a live thing. to YouTube, yeah, wow, nearly sometimes, nearly every day. Sometimes yeah, we put wow. our podcast every day. That's a lot, but yeah. But he'll do two or three hours every, at least every two or three days. Wow, with, he must know, have a lot to talk about. He does. <laughs> he's a very interesting guy. He's a very curious. He's a stand-up uh, yeah. primarily. His first ever thing was stand-up, and then yeah. he came to he came to stand-up because he was security at the front of the comedy club because he was a taekwondo black belt. So Great. he's he's gone into and been on been in with MMA since the ground floor. So he brings a lot of people from MMA right. uh, to listen to him. And because and there's a lot going on there with the MMA audience, we might have this idea about what MMA is. But because a lot of what MMA comes from is is wrestling and wrestling is championed in universities in the States, a lot of the people that do MMA are actually quite clever. And, right. You know, these, a lot of these guys study meticulously uh, and, and train and train and train, particularly with the jiu-jitsu. There's a lot of discipline there. And yeah, right. So some of the MMA fighters he gets on, you just wouldn't believe that these people are just death machines because how just how articulate they are. Wow. But he also get on physicists and doctors and, and you name interesting it. Interesting people yeah. with interesting things to talk about. Cuts yeah. between two cameras. He's got a producer there that cuts it. Yeah. And the producer also does – producer has a mic sometimes. Jamie is his name. He'll bring up whatever they're talking about. Yeah. And just put it up on the screen so they can both see it. So whatever topic they're coming to, he'll just bring a bit up and put a bit of vision up there for them to so – oh, oh, okay, we're watching this video. Like he will – the producer yeah. will move things along. Yeah. It's actually really interesting. He does it in a – I'm going to have a watch. Yeah. yeah. Sounds he, really he cool. do it in a pick, – pick someone like – Pick a Russell Brand one or pick someone that you know. Right. So you yeah, can yeah. kind of get into it that way. So you've got one point of entry that's not that is familiar. Yeah. So then, I won't watch the physicist one because I'm not familiar with too many physicists. Right. Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson, you'd know. On reflection. You know Neil deGrasse Tyson? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's an astrophysicist. He counts. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. science? I am learning so much today. Yeah, this hell- is a good learning day for Maz Compton. Your edification <laughs> is my priority. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> thanks so but much. But, like, you know, as far as, uh, you know, the, the, the software and how he cuts it, I don't, I don't know, but it might just be the open source stuff that I've got. 
I feel like it's very easy these days to yeah. make a show, make a podcast, make a thing that's broadcastable mm. and and pretty good quality yeah. in your kitchen. Yeah, which is what we're doing. <laughs> which is where we are. Yeah, yeah. Um, or in your garage or, you know, wherever. Yeah. It's Which is, I think that's kind of, all. I mean, I'm in two minds about it. I think it's awesome that there's access to all, so many things now where you can just go, I want to do a show, so mm-hmm. I'll do a show. Yeah. There's also, that's really dangerous as well because all you need is like a mouth and a microphone and an opinion and you can have a show and that's not necessarily what everybody needs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, the the free market, I guess, we would want to believe that the free market would dictate who becomes popular. Yes. If everyone has access, you can just hold your phone up and boom, you're live on YouTube or boom, you're live on Facebook. Yes. Um, if everyone has access to the same broadcast technology. There used to be the gatekeeper. You'd have to go through the network um, yes. to get your opinion if your opinion was too broad to one side or too broad to the other side. They'd, they'd probably... Wouldn't let you on because they would alienate too much of their audience and they're a commercial enterprise. But mm-hmm. if you were just some YouTuber, if you were just some YouTuber who's who's going on and on about how much welfare cheats are sucking the gas out of the country, yep, there's not people that would want to hear that to That's right. give you the inflated views. And then you realise, oh, the more crazy shit I say, the more people watch me, right? And then. That can be the danger. Yeah. There. So whereas I think back in the day the gatekeepers weren't necessarily doing everybody a favour because it was blocking so many, I think, good, um, intelligent opinions out because mm. they have their agenda. Now we've gone the complete other way where anyone can do and say whatever, whenever, wherever and potentially get a following and it's not necessarily a great thing. So I feel like we somehow have to find that happy medium mm. where there's like intelligent opinion. Um, but broad opinion as well. Gigi, because uh, I, I, I do a lot of my market research by watching how my 13-year-old uses her phone. Oh, yeah, that's okay. brilliant. It's so good. But she came in there to the living room the other night. She goes, oh, my God, have you just seen what blah, blah, blah did? Who's blah, blah, blah? A YouTuber with like 11 million subscribers. And does she look at you like you're a complete yeah. idiot yeah. because you don't know who that person is? Utterly. And that's fine. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> you're like. Uh, no, it's good that I don't know who this person is. Because then if you said to her, well, have you heard of Savage Garden? She's got no idea. She missed out. So sucked in. Hi, Darren, if you're listening. Um, he's great. He's been on the what show. What a he's great a era of music. Love him to pieces. Uh, he, uh, Sorry. So she will come in and say, oh, my God, did you see what this person said? Uh, no. What did they say? Oh, he just smacked down this Musical.ly girl so well. Or was the other way around? It was a Musical.ly girl smacking down a YouTuber. Oh. Okay, so these two... I don't know what that means. There's two competing <laughs> platforms. Musical.ly is a place where you lip sync hooks from pop songs. Right. And, in fact, that's where I hear the songs that we play on our radio show three months before we add them. Got it. They add, yep. like, music, the record companies are smart enough that they give these hooks, these little 20, 30-second long hooks so to clever. Musical.ly for free, and then all the kids lip sync, making their own music it. videos to their songs. Love it. And then they get higher and higher and higher views and then those songs get really popular. And then they get added. And then they listen to them on the YouTube and then all the downloads happen on YouTube and then when the record people go to the radio stations, they go, look, it's already got 60 million views on YouTube, this it's song. radio, not breaking artists anymore. The, absolutely Ooh. not. It's musically. Yeah, wow. So, But she was basically saying, like, here's this one platform star yes. dissing another platform star, but it was 
maybe a four second long thing. It That's was like it. a reaction video. Right. Like, oh my God, you call that address or something like that. That was it. <laughs> but it was hilarious. It was very yeah, well timed. And it was indicative to me of what I identify as the issue with that kind of broadcasting. And I'm not saying this because I'm an old fuddy duddy clip. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once, it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. To you know, the the railing of the Titanic, trying to believe it's not actually going to sink. Um. I won't say where, but I have seen Australian YouTube stars uh, being cast as presenters by networks with stars in their eyes going, Mm. oh, they're going to bring their audience with them, put them in front of a camera. When they don't have their edits to save them every third word, they're not very good at it. Or if they don't have someone to smack down because if that's what is bringing their audience to them, that's going to fuel the type of content that they're going to create and release. And so if they don't have that crutch to rely on, yeah, there's zero talent involved in that. That's, that can be the scary thing is that, and like I, I hosted the YouTube fan fest a couple of years ago and it was the first time I'd ever heard of YouTube fan. I was like, what's fan fest? This sound, it sounded huge. And then I looked at like the, um, like the Malaysian YouTube fan fest and it blew my mind. It was like Beatle mania for the baby boomers. It was insane. Um, these young teens were just so emotional and hyped up about these YouTube stars and they got to meet them or they got to see them. And it took me a while to kind of get my head. I'm like, so what? What is this? What are we doing with this fan fest thing? So these these YouTubers are going to come on stage and just talk to the audience. That it was like an awards ceremony with no awards. Oh. Like these YouTubers came out, kids went nuts, um, parents there, kids went nuts, and then they just talked. They just talked, or they did like a little skit or a thing from one of their like one of their most popular videos or whatever, and I introduced them and I interviewed them and then they did the thing and then they left and and it was like eight or ten YouTubers and that was fan fest and then all the kids got to meet and greet. And it was really bizarre for me because there are a couple of the, I won't say who, it doesn't really matter, but my point is there are a couple of people there that I met and I was like, I get why you have a loyal following. Like you are smart I like you, you're personable, um, you're very clever at what you do and I get it. And then there were a bunch of other people I'm like, I do not understand why you're here because when you're not on the stage, you have zero personality, you have no grace, you 
I don't understand what your talent is and what you are doing here. Yet you have 11 million subscribers to your YouTube channel. It's really bizarre. So there was this definite split Mm. with the YouTube success stories that I was interacting with. And half of them, I was like, not even half, probably a quarter. I get it. You are very talented. And and you have capitalized on a platform and you're smashing it. And good on you. You deserve that. And the other ones, I'm like, I don't get it. This is really strange. And I feel like there's so many of those people now that have these followings. And I'm like, I don't understand what. Why or what you stand for. But if you're making YouTube videos all day, you're sitting in your house all day by yourself, you're not having to be nice to everyone that you work with or learn how to work in a team. I know. Yeah, you can do it all yourself and that's awesome. You're great at Final Cut. But eventually you have to Mm. interact. Like we're hardwired for connection. So you eventually have to come out of your bedroom and stop showing the camera what you bought that day and interact with other humans. And that skill is something that like – it should be a priority for everybody to learn how to interact well with other humans. Yeah, I think. Yes, you've mentioned this a few times. This is a <laughs> this is a running a running <laughs> theme. That, what have I done? No, no, no. But this it's a running theme that you've. Have you just seeing this everywhere that you go? This this need for community among people. Massively, and and I think because I've I feel like I've been a part of. I don't want to say that I created a community because that makes it sound like I did something amazing. All I did was I just followed my gut instinct on a thing that I thought was important and a community has evolved out of that and it's blown my mind and I think it's a fundamental desire of ours to be around other people and I think it's good and healthy for us to be around people that are like-minded, that are travelling in the same direction, um, that don't necessarily want all the same things in life but that can go on that journey, sorry to use the word, or adventure, go go on the adventure together together. so then you don't feel so insane. Like I I think for a good season of, of my media career, my my uh, inner sanctum was my co-host, my producer, the assistant producer, our audio person, our social media guy, our video guy. There was a big team. And we, like, we depended on each other for survival in some pretty hectic times. And when I was sort of removed from that situation, there was a massive like hole. I was like, I've, I've been depending on this community, on this group of nutters for my daily survival and existence. And I, I don't have that now. So I need to go and find that again. And I feel like I found that again. Yeah. I wouldn't know what to do if all my work went away. Yeah. Do you know what you do, Osha? You... You get really sad for a bit, yeah. and then you get over yourself, yeah. and you, and you and then you recreate it. Yeah, right. Like because I I feel like I was put in a situation. I didn't choose necessarily that situation. I chose how to deal with it really well. And initially, it sucks. And then you go, okay, well, I'm going to go and build that community now, or find that community that I can attach myself to that feels more authentic. Um, rather than, you know, like the, the little radio family that I had that was authentic for the radio job that I had. Would be weird if we were all still hanging out but not doing radio because the common thread was gone, you know. Mm. So it makes sense for me to be immersed in the in the F45 community now because that's what I do, that's where I am, and it, it's where I'm at in yeah. life. And I, I guess, you know, to go back to what we were discussing before about uh, people saying angry things online. Oh, yeah. Just don't. Of course, but it feels. But then, if you if 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 they say something that kind of makes you feel, oh, you know what? I, I understand what that person's saying. And then you jump in the comments board, and then you hear other people. You go, oh wow, more people that think like me. You, you might feel a part of something. That is very true. I think a really good example of that. Have you heard of the podcast, My Favorite Murder? 
I have not yet. Okay. Lifting phone. Lifting typing phone, in. typing in. Okay. So somebody recommended to me a podcast called My Favorite Murder. It's hosted by two very funny women in America, um, Georgia and Karen. Karen, her background, she you can tell when she's on stage that she commands an audience. She's been a TV writer. She's a performer and you can hear it. And Georgia and her met and they bonded over their love for true crime. Yeah. So My Favorite Murder is a podcast where these two women sit down and tell each other about the favorite true crime story. So it's very dark because it is the subject matter of humans murdering humans. Wow. But they managed to do it in the most amazing way, the way that they can make something so dark have a moment and then the next second you know you're laughing because they just have this amazing relationship, this amazing storytelling ability and I like that to me is just true, true talent. So what? So I've listened from episode one all the way up to we're up to 70-something, whatever now. And on episode one, like, George is like, I'm going to start a Facebook page thingy thing. And you can tell how raw it is. They've got no idea how to do podcasts. They've got no idea about anything. And so then you fast forward two and a bit years now and they are doing a world tour. Wow. So they built this thing from zero to um, there's all these communities around the world now where people are like, I'm kind of interested in true crime, but I don't want to talk to my friends about it because they're going to think that I'm weird or a narcissist or a psychopath. Yeah. And so they have now found, so they now sell out stadiums in America. Stadiums? They do like, well, maybe not stadiums. Theatres. Definitely theatres. So 1,500, 2,000 people. Probably not 40,000. Yeah. Um, so they will go to a theater or a hall and they will do the, the podcast live where they each mm. tell each other about their, their favorite murder. But there's all these people there that have united because of that community. Mm. And they say that um, people come up to them, they do meet and greets afterwards, and they're like, thank you because this is, this is something I'm interested in, but I never quite knew mm. how to express it. And it's so nice that I found my people. <laughs> and this common thing of like, Maybe we're all a little insane because we like reading about true crime and I find it, I just find it really, really fascinating. Even the stories are just so bizarre and so wild. Um, but there's this community. And, and so even that, like it's a little left of centre and it might not be for everybody, but mm. there's de- they built a community based on something that they didn't feel comfortable telling everybody about. So they're like, let's tell each other and then invite people to listen. And now it's this huge thing. Wow. Yeah, it's, so I love that story and I found it quite organically as well. So I, I, And I purposely listened from episode one to hear their journey where they, uh-huh. there's some episodes where, and they, their banter is pretty hilarious as well. They'll be talking to each other and one of them will just be like, I'm a bit emotional today because like our Facebook group has like 20,000 people and it, it had zero, Yeah, you know, and they, they, yeah, it's really cool. Anyway, that's one of massive tangent, No, I love but it. I, look, we're talking about community and that's one of the weirder ones that I feel like I'm a part of. <laughs> but you've discussed and you have in one in one beautiful answer discussed the power of community and that our, our decisions that we make. I would much rather buy this coffee cup, this recorder, that chair if I knew that other people that I knew liked it. Exactly. All right. Rather than the television showed an ad of people, they the demographic research tells them they think I look like, kind of vaguely looking like me, buying this chair, coffee cup, and recorder. 
I want people I know to go, dude, you got to check get, this out. Get on this I'm thing. Like, oh, great. Always, I'll do it unquestioningly. Always take a recommendation from yeah. a friend. And that's, always. And, that, and, that, and that's why. Yeah. And that's why. You're here because you sent me an email. I, <laughs> yes. I email you once a year, Osha. Hey, mate, <laughs> I did a thing. <laughs> <laughs> So you wrote, you got to written a book. I wrote a book. You know the last time I was on your podcast, I told you I was going to write a book? That's right. I was half kidding at the time. That's fine. <laughs> That's the key, though. The key is telling people that you're going to do something and yeah. then you're like, shit, I've got to do it now. Yeah, I really, I threw it out there and then I went, okay, I really am going to do this thing and I did that thing. Yeah? Yeah, I wrote a book. Why'd you write a book? I wrote a book because it's a really nice full stop on my media career. I've done I've been either on television or radio pretty much every day for 12 years. When when you break it down. And that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot yeah. of on-air hours. And I'm not doing full-time media anymore and I thought it was a really nice way to just look back and go these were some of the best moments. These were some of the terrible things that happened and how I dealt with them. Um and these are some of the things that you probably didn't hear on the show. Right. Yeah. So Tales of uh, travel, tales because everyone thinks, "Oh my god, I can't wait to get backstage." Like, it's backstage, so boring. There's really nothing happening. Backstage, backstage is so boring. The catering's always average. The wine is cheap. It's just it's lit like a public toilet. And there's no one ever there anyway. Nope. It's not like you want to go to the after party if you want to get anywhere. Don't go backstage. Backstage is boring. But um, yeah, I've I've been in all of these situations, and I and it's. Something that I get asked really often is, what's your favourite moment? Who's your favourite celebrity? Who was the worst? Da, 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 da. And I thought, well, I'll just put it all in a nice little book and mm. make it really fun for people to read in their time and put it out there and if you want to read about it, go for it. Now, is there points where you throw anyone under the bus or do you change names to get some of the good stories out? Do you think, Osha, knowing me, that I would throw anybody under the bus? No, I think that you would invent a pop group, merge <laughs> bad behaviours from four different pop groups and give this pop group a name. No. And give this pop stars a name. I haven't changed any names in the really? book. Really? They're all real stories, wow. real interactions, and I there's no one to throw under the bus, in my right. opinion. Like I even managed to navigate getting fired in a really positive way because that's the type of person that I am. So it did. It wouldn't have made sense. Mind you, the first draft of that story was a little different to how it actually ended <laughs> up being printed in the book. I will be honest. It ended up being a bit of therapy for me. Yeah. But in staying true to who I am authentically, I'm a really good person. And so it wouldn't make any sense to have this like salacious gossip field book and sensationalized stories that, yeah. that happen. It's like, hey, this is, you know what, this is my lens on my life and I want to share it with people. You, do you tell the the absolute, do you tell the this is the stuff one of people hear or do you really go, so we got to the hotel, waited for six hours, that, got three minutes with someone who was hungover and didn't want to talk to us and then a publicist yelled at us because we asked the wrong question then took our tape off us. That is the story that I tell because it's the truth. Because <laughs> that happens more because often than it doesn't. What happens in it's and you just described a press junket situation where a celebrity, or a actor, or whoever is on you know doing the promo tour and they sit in a hotel room all day and then the media sort of line up and they get led into the room. They get their three minutes. So what everybody sees, what consumers and audiences see and hear is that three, five, seven minute interview. 
um, made into something incredibly life-changing apparently Mm. Um, and you hear it as one contained piece of content promoting the movie or the song or the tour or the whatever. Fast and Furious 12. Correct. So that's what audiences see and hear. All I've done is just tell them my experience because I would rarely, especially in on MTV, I'd rarely see the interviews in their final edited version because we mm. were doing live shows and it was mm. all crazy. So you'd go to a junket, sit in a room for 45 minutes, you know, talking to James Tobin, and then he'd go off and do his little interview and then you'd go in after and do your little interview and then and then that was kind of that. And so the book is those moments. It's mm. it's all the stuff that happened around the cameras being on and the microphones being on that I've been privy to that I was like, I reckon people would be really interested in this. Yeah. And not all the stories start the same. It's not all like, so I went to it, here I am at the Intercontinental Hotel, you know, like because it, it was a little monotonous for some of them. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm literally sitting in a hotel lobby again. This is my job. My job was sitting in hotel lobbies, yeah. not interviewing stars. Well, yeah, when I you know when, what it's yeah, like. Yeah, when I worked in Los Angeles, I, oh. I spent so much time in the corridor of the Four Seasons yep. at Beverly Hills. Yep. And people might think, oh, Beverly Hills Four Seasons. So boring. No. Think of a bad conference hotel oh. in a part of the city that's very hard to get to. With terrible coffee. Awful oh. coffee. And, and sitting surrounded by it. Now, bear in mind, I was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and I tried to remain that way. The whole time I worked in America. How long did it last, though? I don't know. I was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed the whole time until I lost my job. Um, but <laughs> just surrounded surrounded by the most deep, painful cynicism yes. of the international press. Yeah. Like when you see the Golden Globe, so man, that thing is voted for by the most cynical, yeah. <laughs> upset it's terrifying. people who don't like yeah. anything. And we have, I think in Australia, we we sort of, we're in this little island doing our own thing and we've got, you know, a handful of radio shows and a handful of telly and that's it. Like it's kind of cute. I think like artists get to Australia and they're like, oh, you guys are cute with all your little radio shows all trying to compete for, like, who can do the most outrageous interview and get the most headlines on news.com.au, like the one newspaper online that people read, you know, and then you go to America, it's a totally different ball game. But I feel like being a part of the Aussie media landscape for so long, I'm like, this is a nice little way to reflect on it all. No, right. Yeah. Did, now, when you did all that stuff, did it get to a point where someone was like, hey, Maz, I've got tickets to the after party, and you went, oh, you know what, I'm just going to go home because that'll be way more fun. I got to that point on year three of MTV. <laughs> I was so, and I don't get me wrong, it was the best job. I loved it. But it wore thin quickly. There's only so many after parties with Snoop Dogg that you can really bother showing up to and there's only so many dresses that you want to wear with heels before you're like my Ugg boots and tracksuit pants are way more comfortable like I it really and I think because of the the pace at which for me that job was it was so intense it it really dated quickly for me I was like mm, I'm kind of done here and then I think 
it almost ramped back up again when I when I was doing the national drive show and then into the Sydney breakfast slot. There's this expectation where you do have to go to a lot of things and you need to be present and there's client functions and there's gigs that you've got to go to because you're interviewing an artist the next day and there's movie premieres and this. And this sounds all really glamorous, guys, but listen to my tone of voice. Yes. It's just a shopping list of things to do that you don't want to do. And so it's my life is much more pleasant now because I don't, have to go to stuff. I just don't go. Yeah. You know, you know. It's all, look, movie premieres are all fun and exciting until it runs late because the red carpet ran late and the film finishes late and you get home at 11 o'clock and your alarm goes off at 3.30. I used to say, this is terrible to admit, but I used to say, like, and I think my friends, I've had the same group of friends for a very, very, very long time, like pre-MTV. Fortunate. Very fortunate and they're very grounding friends. Like they would not, Mm. I don't have an ego because they would never let me have an ego. But sometimes I would still get caught up in that like glamorous part of what I would do. Mm. And um, I remember a friend of mine saying something about, oh, do you want to catch up on Thursday? And I'm like, no, I've got to go and endure another movie premiere. Like that was my (laughs) response. It's not like, hey, I get to go to a red carpet. It's like I've got to go endure this thing for my career because apparently my career is important. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I got, I did get over it eventually. I think everyone does. Mm. And then you realize, you know what, it's just a job. And if I'm going to do this job, I want to do a great job at it until it's not my job anymore. And then it became someone else's. And that was a bit of a relief. Look, it's, look don't get me wrong. It's still exciting. And I still it's get so a, exciting. I still get a kick out of it. Yeah. And I, I don't. I don't look back on those 12 years and go, oh, that was a waste. I'm like, that was epic. Like I had a flipping good time. Trust me, I had a great time. Um, but I'm also really glad now that I can just chill a bit. Yeah. It's nice to chill. I, I used to look at a red carpet or a premiere as if it were my birthday. I oh, would be wow. that excited about it wow. when it started. And Is this you walking the red carpet or, or hosting uh, or both. interviewing? All of it. Both. Any red carpet. It was super exciting. Yeah. And then it got to a Is point of Is that why the like, carpet in your apartment's red? No. But it did get to a point where when you're on a red carpet somewhere, it's like, I just go, well, you know what? I'm done. I used to I used to lug, uh, you know, quad four-way PAs up the front steps of the Surface Paradise Beer Garden. Oh, wow. On a stinking hot afternoon and then pull it back out again at four in the morning yep. after wiping the vomit off it and put it in a truck and then drive back to Brisbane. This is better than that. But... <laughs> to go home now. So I never lost sight of, you yeah. know, come on, I'm getting paid to stand here and ask famous Absolutely. people stuff. Like that's all still nice. But it is really nice. It does become a And nice. I want to stress that. And I think when when you read the book, there is this sense of I was such a giddy schoolgirl in moments because I was meeting my idols. I was meeting yeah. people that I was a huge mega fan of and that's really awesome and I feel so blessed that I got to do that. But it's done now. You know, it took me a while to figure out that people don't want to see you be a punish on camera. The first few super <laughs> famous people I met, I was just, I just punished. Did you? Were you? How? Did you internalize? Did you? No, I just was like. Oh, so when you were the third album, when you fought the fourth track, and you had Ray, Ray Brown on brace, uh, did you? Uh, da, 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 you know, I was just snooting yeah. out yeah. really hard. And they were like, "Whoa, and dude!" Went, no, no, this is the part where you asked me if we enjoyed the recording the record, and then we tell you about how fun it was in the Bahamas, and then and you asked me about our fight with person, and then I tell you this part. And then you plug the gig, and then I say, "Yeah, come along." And then you throw to the video. That's it. <laughs> That's the formula, right there, guys. That's Not it. that hard. Yeah, don't give me new yeah. questions. Um, how we talked a little bit about the radio thing, yeah. last time. Yeah. Um, how deep do you go into 
the 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 breakfast radio coming to a close. In the life <laughs> That's in a very book. diplomatic way to put it. Um, Look, unless you're Kyle, you won't leave breakfast radio when you choose. <laughs> all right, true. Kyle and Alan Jones will leave when they want to. That is a hundred. Unless you're great. those two people. Yeah, you get some, told when you're going. Someone's going to tell you you're leaving, you're, and you're, you're not. Done. You Today, don't get to choose it. Today is your last day. Um, yeah, it's not going to be, we're going to wrap you up at the end of the year. Yeah, it, it's, it will be, that was your last Can show. I have the security pass, please? Yeah, yeah. see you later. Um, <laughs> I tell that story how it happened to me. Yeah. So I I don't think I actually go into the logistics of the lead-up to that moment, um, but just for your listeners, I'd actually been in America hosting Red Bull TV for Red Bull which was a great little gig and I managed to swindle a day off the breakfast show in order to do that, which I was very grateful for because, as you would know, when you're a breakfast radio announcer, you don't have days off. You're not allowed to be sick. You're not allowed to go and do other things. So I was really grateful that my boss had said, you know what, Um, it was a long weekend and I'd taken the Tuesday extra as a little extra day so I could get this gig in America, which I was very excited about. So I got off a plane on that Tuesday morning and turned on my phone and had a message from Dan DeBoof, who was my co-host at the time, and he was like, I think we're getting fired. And I clicked on this article and I read a newspaper article telling me that I didn't have my job on radio anymore. And I laughed. I was like, that's so funny because that's my job. Like this article that I'm reading in this newspaper right now is my, like, that's my job. So the newspapers obviously got it wrong newspaper, 10 a.m. that morning I got a phone call. You're done. So I read it in the newspaper. That is my. That is absolutely what happened so and how I found out. So you were in the air flying from somewhere to somewhere? Um, well, when I landed I read the article that it, I think had been in the paper the day before or whatever oh. and no one had, I guess, sent it to me because I was I was so busy doing Red Bull stuff. I just yeah. wasn't even whatever. It was had nothing to do with the fact that I'd been in America. It was just... The way it played out was I wasn't on for the first time I think in my entire radio life I had decided to take a day for me uh, because I wanted to do something for me, yeah. which was fly to America for Red Bull and like host this festival show with yeah. Sal Masekela, who's one of my ultimate idol heroes of all time. He was like one of the original VJs on MTV and I got to host a show with him, which was amazing. But then I got back and then I was like, oh. Oh, I, okay. That I'm. I don't have that job so anymore. So it was the day you landed in Australia that you found out. The day that I landed in Australia, I was told at ten a.m. on a phone call, and then I believe it was like the next day that it was like officially announced, even though it had leaked. Jesus Christ! So that was a bit rough. <laughs> and you're all, you're all jet lagged coming home. Do you know what was funny though? I wasn't jet lagged at all because I flew business. Thanks for Red Bull. Hello. And so I was. I was tip top. Like I was feeling like I had crushed this gig in the US. They just booked me to go back a few weeks there you later. Go. Good feeling. You know, it was I I slayed it and I was so proud of myself. And then I got off a plane and my entire world came crashing yeah. down. I was like, whoa, okay, this is pretty heavy. So then I actually I took the next day off the show as well. Fair I enough. thought, screw it. And I was told by a mentor that I should not take the next day off, that I should show up and put on my big girl pants, quote, unquote, and do the show. And I went, nah, I'm going to yeah. take a day because I need a day. Oh, yeah. 
And I sat on the beach all day the next day and just like zoned out and just got some vitamin D and had a cry. And and then on the Thursday we went and we did a show and then we did shows for the next, I think, four to six weeks every day and then we did our last show and that was that. How long did it take you to? Get depressed. <laughs> <laughs> how, how long did the uh, a, a mentor of mine likes to, when I call him and say, I've just lost the job and then I lost another one in the same day, uh, which happened. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, I lost Bondi Rescue and, and Hot Hits in the same day. Not yeah. so Hot Hits. Yeah, on the same day. I lost them oh. both on the same day. Um, and he said, so what? Now what? Yeah. And it was really good to hear from him because yep. I do everything he tells me. Um, but it was like, okay, I, I've got a choice. So what was your so what now what moment? How long did you did you stay in the pain? Um, that's a really good question. I've blocked it out. No, um, I made a point of doing it well. So I was I was uh I was angry, confused. I felt ashamed, which was a really difficult one to navigate. Mm. I was like, why do you, this thing happened to me? Why do I feel like I've let everyone down? I felt like a failure. Um, I felt publicly humiliated. There were so many things that I was feeling. That I went to my therapist and I was like, what do I do with all this stuff? And she's like, you just have to feel it out. And then you need to make a decision on whether you're going to react or respond. And I was like, right, because if you if you react, it will come from all of that m- emotion that you're feeling right now and none of those emotions are good. If you respond, you'll be wise enough to deal with the emotion and then figure out what to do next. So I decided to respond. So I got healthy mentally. I I. I got over myself as well. Like there was this, there was definitely a few days where I was like, like, that's fair enough. It's a high, it's a high profile thing to go through. It was just a job. Like when I look back now, I'm like, it was just another job. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. It was the dream, whatever. It was just a gig. And so I can look back at that now and go, Oh, that was, I'm so glad that I'm not doing that anymore. I, I wouldn't have had time to write a book for starters. And I learned the character that was sort of sharpened in me through that experience, again, is a part of this story that keeps evolving about Maz Compton. Mm-hmm. So it, it was really hard. Like there were, there were it was months. I was, if you wanted a time frame, mm-hmm. it was months of me feeling really crap about myself, feeling like I'd let down the whole planet. Um, and then I think eventually when I processed all of that stuff, I got to a place where I was like, this is okay and I'm going to respond well. And I feel like I smashed that too. Yeah. Yeah. How did, how did you pay the bills during those months? Um, well, truth be told, I was on a two-year contract. So, guys, if you're going to lose your job, do it in the middle of the two-year contract because then you get paid for a year. So I had a great year. Fantastic. Yeah, so that was really, um, that was definitely the cherry on the top. And I know that there are people that have been in my situation that haven't had that. I feel very grateful that that was, I was in this situation where I didn't have to rush out and go and get a a job immediately to to pay the mortgage. I 
I got to just kind of coast along and the show got put on weekends. So we still did a weekend radio show, which was quite nice to just, you know, I guess we, shows go to weekend radio to die and we were well aware of that, but it gave us a year to like, you know, go through that motion as well uh-huh. and, and put the show to rest the way we wanted to put it to rest. So right. it was that was therapeutic in itself. It wasn't just like, okay, you, you're, you are done, you're walked out of the building and you don't get to do anything anymore, go get a job as a PR assistant. It mm. was I got to actually say goodbye. Yeah. Which was really nice. So I feel really lucky that it, it played out as well as it did for me. And what do you think is better about you because you lost that job and went through all that? Um, that is a great question. I have the time to work on me now. So rather than I put 12 years of energy and effort into a career, which doesn't exist anymore necessarily unless you read that book, um, I now use all of that time that I used to invest in trying to get ratings and, and you know, build audiences and grow and appease bosses and um, help sales and clients and be everything to everybody else. I'm now that person to me mm. and I think all of that energy funneled into being like truly authentic, helping people be better humans and empowerment is is a much better version of myself. That's the short answer. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. But you you managed to come out like the bank account of your soul comes out totally in the positive. On to- the other side oh, of it. Like so 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 far mm. in the positive, in the green or the red. Wait, which one in is the it? Green. In well, the green. Well, they're black, actually. In bank accounts, it's black. It's black and red. Red is you're in arrears. Black is you're in, you're all good. See, that doesn't, it should be green. But anyway, in the black. In the black, back in the <laughs> black. In the accounting, we're talking in the accounting metaphor. Yeah, um, not in the casino metaphor. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, Wesley Snipes metaphor. Uh, but I guess what I'm trying to get to is that because people might be listening, they're in the middle of those months where the pain is there. Yeah. And when you're in the middle of those months, it's impossible to believe that it's ever going to be okay again. Yeah, that's true. And I definitely, I there was definitely, there was one day when I couldn't get out of bed. That was a tough day. And my now husband at the time, boyfriend, God bless him. Oh, I don't, oh, he was just so supportive. And he was like, I'll let you have one day. So you're allowed to today, not get out of bed, not shower. But then tomorrow, get your shit together, <laughs> you know, right. and that, having that one day was really good because it made me realise I don't want to have any other days like that. I don't ever want to feel that bad about myself because something happened to me um, that I would let it affect me and my life and what I was doing and, and, and my relationships, you know. I, I was like, I can contain this fire. So I'll contain it in the day and then I will try tomorrow to have a good attitude and to think about the good stuff that I still have. I still have an amazing relationship. I still have an incredible family. I still live on the northern beaches of Sydney. I've had an incredible career. Like there were so many things to get out of bed for after that day that you then start thinking about. And it was it didn't become... I'm going to get out of bed today because I'm going to go to Kiss FM and try and get a breakfast radio job. It it didn't become about radio anymore. It just became about me, mm. which is a better story because <laughs> radio will just be there and mm. someone will do it, you know, and I tick the box and then we just move on. Yeah. Yeah. But you never know. This will be the, your phone might ring one day. It will probably go to voicemail, Osher. <laughs> <laughs> 
I joke about it though. I've been asked a lot, like, are you gonna get back? And it's funny too, it's not usually people that know me very, very well. It's like those people that are at an arm's yeah. length away that they see the newspaper articles and they yeah. think that they know about me. And um they're like, So when are you gonna get back into radio? And I'm like, I don't think I will. Yeah. But if I did, then that's cool too, and I don't know. Yeah. It's like that's that should be suffice because mm. I just do now, I do me, and I do today, and I do it really well. That's so wonderful. To hear. Yeah, it's cool. It's an effort. I'm so high maintenance. No, no, no. It's, it's really great. It's really great to listen to you say this because I, I was speaking with a, a colleague. We were talking about that we both spent time out of radio for a while, mm. and if you've been in radio, it is what you described earlier. It is an absolute hamster wheel that oh, yeah, never. It's ever, ever stops and your entire life becomes about those three hours in the morning and you are consumed by this, it's this all-important thing and then you get out of radio and realise, hang on, the whole world doesn't give a shit. If they hear an ad, they don't like to just change channels or turn it off and I no longer exist. (laughs) It's almost, it's a little frightening but I think it, if you can have that perspective on anything that you're doing, just to recognise and realise, you know what, in the moment, yes, it's important because you're there. You're there for a reason to do a job. I get it. Do it well. But get over yourself. <laughs> like no one really, it's not, you're not going to change the world by interviewing a celebrity. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. Like focus your in. If you want to change the world, you are in the wrong career if you're doing radio because that's not your job. Um, but do your job well. Like when you've when you've got that microphone, it's an absolute privilege. It's a pleasure. It can take you into amazing places. It can get to into you into brilliant and crazy situations. But it's also there'll be a day when the mic doesn't go on, and that's okay because then you can live your life, and that's actually more fun sometimes. <laughs> take it from me. <laughs> I know. Oh, that is perfect. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> oh no, you're too good. Well, I can't to see. I can't wait to see what you do next. Yeah, well, and I don't know what it's going to be, which kind of excites me. I started this year, Osha, for the first time I think in my life without a plan, and that's huge for me because I do have a minor case of OCD. I'm a huge planner, which is probably why I was really good at radio. Love a plan. Um, Love knowing that things are going to happen, need to be in control. And this year I kind of did a deal with the universe. I was like, okay, I'm going to do the work that I feel inspired in my soul to do and just do that. And and now we have a book and we'll see what, where we go from there. So I've it's taken all of my effort to not make plans, but I'm trying not to be planned and I'm trying to just be guided that's that's a different way for me to live and that's what I'm trying to do. And it seems to be it's a lot more fun when you're not in control. <laughs> oh, you chose a good day to come here. I needed to hear that. Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> we equally inspire each other. Thank you, It's Mads. nice. Thanks for coming around. It's a pleasure. Anytime. That was Maz Compton. You can find her on Twitter at Maz Compton, M-A-Z-C-O-M-P-T-O-N. Uh, you can also find her book on Amazon or at mazcompton.net. Uh, until we speak next week, um, do one thing today. Just try and get an hour, an hour's more sleep. Give yourself that gift. 
maybe don't watch another four episodes or whatever it is you're going to watch on Netflix. And try and get to sleep an hour earlier. Just give give yourself that gift today and just see what happens tomorrow. You're wonderful for listening to this. Thank you so, so much. Until we speak next time, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.